know I'm really, really, really weird. And I don't make apologies for it because I can't help that I'm weird. But uh, every time they sing that doxology, I don't know, I don't know why, but it's like singing the national anthem and I just want to scream, play ball. And I heard the time. That <laughs> sounds really weird, but I really want to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I know Jerry's shaking his head. <laughs> I don't know why, it just it sounds like the national anthem for me. I just feel like saying, play ball. <laughs> uh, but don't they do a good job, though? They do an awesome job. Thank you. Hope to get them to the level I'm at one day, but I don't know. <laughs> All right, turn your Bibles to Matthew 24. We're going to look at verses 21 through 22. Matthew 24, 21 through 22. I know a lot of these kids have been uh, doing a lot of homeschooling and such. I tell you what, I'm starting going to Bernie Arita's. Man, he's like teaching, showing all these electrical cool stuff she had on Facebook. Bernie is. She's made these killer like pie things that I guess the Indians made or something. That oh man, I want to go learn with her house. That'd be fun. They got all kinds of neat stuff they're doing. So I uh, I don't get to do any cool stuff. Bernie won't let me. Uh, Matthew 24, 21 through 22. For then shall be a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor even shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should, be, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Let's have a quick word of prayer if we may. Therefore, Lord, again, we just come before you and praise your holy name. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Uh, Lord, I pray that... Uh, You'll fill the sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit. Uh, guide us in your word this morning. Uh, Lord, help it, help us to, uh, to glean from this, uh, this teaching this morning and that uh, we can use it to spur our spiritual growth. Let us be equipped. Let us be edified. But Lord, most importantly, let us glorify you. And Lord, we thank you, love you, and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. You know, uh, <clears throat> I try my best uh, when I'm doing uh, with morning devotions or uh, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or Sunday mornings uh, uh, when I speak. Uh, I try to preach um, or teach uh, with a certain amount of urgency because I really want to get through to people that uh, our time on this earth is very limited. All right? I hope you understand that. You know, God's Word is constantly talking about how our life has just been a vapor, just been a breath. Uh, you know, and it's just, uh, it amazes me. You know, most of y'all realize time just goes by like that. I mean, I can't believe this coming May, I've been out of high school 30 years. That just don't seem possible. I mean, I just feel like yesterday I graduated high school. It just don't seem to me. This is crazy. I hear my daughter's almost 17. My son's 20. And it just, I just you know, it's really weird. I mean, it's just really weird. I, I, it's hard to explain. I just uh, uh, can't understand where all the time went so fast. I wish I'd go back and slow things down. Particularly when my kids were little, I have to slow things down just a little, just for a little while. And they actually still love daddy, not just wanting what I have in my wallet. But, uh, uh, no, I'm just teasing. But uh, they, uh, you know, because our life is so short, uh, we waste so much time on, uh, on such frivolous things and, and wasting too much time uh, on uh, concerns of the temporal things of this world, and we're not focusing enough on the things of the eternal. But because our time is so short on this earth, I truly believe, and I, don't think, I think that most of you all, and not all of you feel this way, that we are actually, we're living in the last days. I mean, there's no, 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 what do you call it? Uh, no, uh, uh, 
Well, that'll work too hard. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, you know, the Lord's going to be coming back soon. I just, they're just, uh, I think you can feel it. You know, just like when it's about to rain, you smell the rain in the air, you feel the atmosphere, you get to tell it's going to come in a big storm. And I think that's the way it is uh, with us as Christians, that we can tell the way things are spiraling out of control. It is going to be a matter of time for the Lord returns. But either way, whether Christ raptures us out of here and before anybody stops me after church, you know that rapture's not in the Bible. <gasps> You're kidding. No, it comes from the Latin words where we get the word rapture caught up. So I understand that. But, uh, uh, you know, it is um, uh, whether we're raptured out of here or we die before then, either way, we'll be standing in the presence of God sooner or later. And, uh, and there is a distinction between the rapture and the second coming. There are those out there who have argued that uh, with me, uh, whether it comes to that all-millennial all view and whether it's going to be a thousand-year reign or not. And, and the, the, some people will not distinct between the, the uh, uh, rapture and the second coming, which, again, are, are two distinct events uh, that we see in Matthew 24. We see in, uh, in Acts. We see, I think it's in Daniel, uh, I want to say 12-2, I think, or maybe it was a 6-2. But anyway... Uh, it is uh, so. We, we it's clear that there, the, those are two separate events, and there will be Armageddon, and we're going to see these things happen and transpire. But uh, what you know, in, in my praying uh, on what to, uh, to to talk about this morning, uh, you know, the one thing that really kept coming up a lot uh, was where Donald Trump was uh, doing negotiating uh, the peace uh, in the Middle East, and uh, you know, John Kerry said that would be impossible. That there's no way that he can accomplish peace, and he did uh, when he moved the. Uh, uh, the um, uh, embassy over into uh, Israel. They said this won't cause all kinds of riots and wars. That didn't happen. You know, and uh, so everything that the, the, those on the left uh, try to say is wrong and can't happen, uh, he's been pretty successful in, in doing that. And uh, so I thought, you know, when we look at Israel, you know, Israel is such a, uh, an integral uh, part uh, in regards to the end times. I thought, you know, that might make for a good study uh, of discussion uh, this morning. And, you know, when you look at Israel, of course, you know, that's one of the sides of the end times uh, was in 1948 when uh, Israel did become a state. People started coming together. They never thought that would ever happen or, or, in, in, or ever be seen. And that's one aspect of the end times. But then 19 years later, uh, in 1967, uh, that's when there was the uh, uh, Six-Day War uh, with the uh, Jordanians, the Syrians, and the Egyptians. And, um, and, and so, but, and they, they were victorious. They even took over some land. Now, when it comes to Israel, uh, biblically speaking, uh, when it comes to the West Bank and, and, and the certain areas of controversies, controversies particularly with the Palestinians, because you have, you know, they wanted to try to, they try to work out peace uh, with those in Palestine and, and they, in, in the Arab country, and they wouldn't do it. In fact, they had three no's. The three no's were like, no peace, no um, recognition, and uh, what was the third one? Uh, I think I wrote down here. There's no, uh, um, what was it? No recognition, no negotiations, that's what it was. And uh, they weren't going to fool with them at all. And so uh, what Trump was able to do, now there, there were some other presidents prior to this that uh, were able to negotiate some peace uh, treaties and talks uh, with Jimmy Carter, I think, in 79, and then with Bill Clinton. But, uh, but this is pretty monumental uh, in what Trump was able to accomplish. Uh, and that they were able to work together. In fact, they allow uh, flights with planes uh, with their airspace and, uh, and how they could benefit from each other, uh, getting, again, with the Jordanians and the Egyptians and the Syrians. But now, again, Palestine, uh, they, the PLO, and such, they don't, they're still not wanting to play ball, so to speak. But 
certain news articles were saying that uh, in order for them to advance, uh, that they would need to, to try to do this. But, you know, when you look at um, uh, Israel, when you look at uh, uh, Jerusalem, uh, you see there's a lot of controversy uh, surrounding that, obviously. But uh, when it comes to end times, uh, when you look at uh, Jerusalem and, and Israel, that uh, we actually see countries banning to go, come against them. So it's very interesting that, they were this, that these uh, different areas were actually come together for a peaceful uh, resolution with the Abraham Accords. And uh, so, you know, so to me, I found that very interesting. Uh, you know, so it makes you know, when you look at uh, tribulation, you look at three years of peace or three and a half years, and then you have three and a half years of, of, of tribulation. And, you know, it makes you almost wonder, are we seeing like three and a half years of peace, so to speak? And then we're, we're going to see another three and a half years of, of, of turmoil and trouble, uh, particularly persecution among Christians. And so, you know, that's something we need to, to consider uh, in regards to what's going on right now. Because whenever you think about the Middle East, whenever you think about Israel, whenever you think about Jerusalem, you automatically think, most people automatically, their minds go, uh, that's the last days. You know, they're going to tear down the dome of the mosque. We're going to rebuild the temple. And you bring in the red heifer and the red moon. And you've got all these, you know, prophecies and things going on that people want to discuss. And that's what somebody said one time, that if you want to pack a church out, then have a teaching on prophecy. You know, everybody's really into that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, you know, so are we living in the last days? Well, uh, that's to be uh, determined. I think that, you know, uh, in fact, I think it was in Luke, um, let me see here, 21. I think I read this in the night uh, in my uh, study in Hebrews. Uh, let me get over here. Hold on here. Luke, I think it's Luke 21. Hold on. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, uh, in Luke 21, uh, particularly in verse 28, uh, it says that, oh, if y'all want to turn there, you're welcome to. I don't feel like you have to. I know I move a little fast sometimes. Uh, but Luke uh, 21, uh, starting with verse uh, 28, it says, uh, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Uh, it is, um, uh, well, I guess, let me go ahead and back up. Let me back up verse 25. Uh, it says, And there shall be signs of the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves are roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with a power and great joy. So we're seeing uh, uh, birth pains, if you will, uh, that are, are indicating uh, that uh, uh, that end times is coming to pass. Uh, you know, you look at uh, you know, wildfires, you're looking at uh, tsunamis, you're looking at all these earthquakes. And there's going to be a time when the stars in the sky is going to, are going to fall. I mean, it, it is going to be uh, an apocalyptic event like nothing we could have ever imagined. And uh, hopefully and pray that we'll be raptured out before we have to witness anything like that. But that goes to show that, you know, for those who are saved, you know, we, we can have that confidence. We can have that understanding that Jesus Christ uh, is going to take us out of this situation if we're still alive. If we die before then, we have that confidence to know where we're going. So even though the world may be in terror, may be in fear, uh, we know that God's going to take care of us. And, you know, if you want to look at this uh, coronavirus uh, deal as a uh, part of an end times thing, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I can't really say beyond you know, a shadow of a doubt. I know one thing, like me and Mr. Moore talking about this morning, I can't wait till we get back to some kind of normalcy. I hate these stupid masks. I hate them with a passion. And uh, that's why I wear my cone of shame and uh, my mask there so that uh, I can breathe because I can't breathe with uh, all this um, uh, 
the mask and stuff, you know, it's just like uh, my asthma and such is, that won't allow me to, uh, to, to breathe like that. But, uh, so anyway, uh, when we look at this here, now we look at uh, uh, the, the promised land uh, of Israel. Let's look at Genesis 15, 18. Genesis 15, 18. Genesis 15, verse 18, says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given the land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. Now, we can also uh, combine that, uh, let's see here, with, um, make sure I've got the right verse here. Um, let's see here. It is, um, get over here. Uh, Joshua uh, chapter 1. Verse I had down here for that. Um, let's see. Well, where did it go? Um, my goodness. Let's see here. You remember? Well, which verse did I have down for that? That guy. Losing my mind this morning. I apologize. Joshua 1 4. Yeah, not just this morning. It's been gone a long time ago. Joshua 1 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. So the point I'm trying to make here with Israel in particular, uh, you know, they have a, uh, a right uh, to this land, biblically speaking, uh, as to where they're at, particularly with the West Bank. And, where they're at, but now, uh, as far as the world's concerned, they're trying to say that, uh, no, you don't have uh, that right to build there. And like I said, in 1979, after the three-day war, or six-day war, rather, in, in 1967, uh, they ended up giving some of that land back. But the UN, the United Nations, uh, wouldn't to, um, uh, didn't want them to be able to build or do anything further uh, as to uh, in, in what they were doing. And so, you know, there's going to be a great conflict. At some point in time, all nations will turn against Israel. They're all going to turn against uh, what's going on there. And uh, it's going to be, uh, that's when we're going to see Armageddon come to pass. We're going to see all these armies fighting against each other, and then they're going to join together and try to fight against Jesus Christ, and he's going to wipe them out uh, like they were nothing. You know? And uh, so let's look over here at um, uh, Matthew uh, 24, 5 through 8. Matthew 24, Five through eight. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. So again, we're seeing some of these uh, uh, birth pains, if you will, of what's going on. And uh, when we look at these things, particularly uh, we're talking about uh, there's for many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ. We're talking about false prophets that are coming. Uh, and there's a uh, back in '79 or '80, uh, there was a there was actually a book by Al Lindsay, the late great planet Earth. There's actually like a, a little mini-series that came on television uh, based on that book. 
And um, one thing that it was shown at the very beginning of it, I was, I was, kind of, I was looking at it uh, last night. Uh, of course, it's, I mean, old film, you know, it don't, I mean, it's, you know, it's not exactly uh, the Avengers uh, here, you know, but uh, it showed uh, uh, something like biblical times and showed chasing this, this white haired old man and they chase him up to the cliff and he, they push him off that cliff and they, they stone him to death. Apparently he was a false prophet and they called him out and they killed him. And, uh, and, and of course they had Orson Welles in it and he picks up the skull and he starts talking and such. But here's the thing, here's the danger we have here today uh, among uh, Bible-believing Christians and among churches. Uh, you have people out there who claim to be pastors who are teaching false doctrine, who are teaching um, uh, things that are contrary to the Word of God. And it's very dangerous. We see New Age uh, uh, philosophy seeping into the churches. Uh, talking about with, apparently with yoga and things. I know people don't like it uh, when you start messing with yoga. They start saying, well, that's just strange. That's not, you know, but we'll get to that another time. In fact, uh, Dad wrote a very great article in regards to uh, the church, the septic yoga church, and, um, and it gives some details as to why that is biblically incorrect. We'll, we'll save that for another day. But the point is, uh, you have a lot of uh, churches out there uh, preaching peace and prosperity. You know, if you're not... Uh, uh, wealthy, and if you're not healthy, then you've got sin in your life, and there's something blocking that. See that God doesn't care about your pocketbook, first of all. Okay, He, he just cares about your spiritual uh, walk between you and Him. That relationship—that's what He cares about. That's what He wants. And uh, the fact that so many churches—that's uh, all they, they hear—is uh, uh, is, is how to make more money uh, is insane. Uh, and so we need to be very aware. That's why when I get on uh, social media and uh, uh, and if there's a discussion, we so many, see so many biblically ignorant Christians out there because, well, that's not what my pastor said, or he never talks about those kind of things. I had a guy send me an email here recently and said, you say stuff, a preacher, I, I never heard another preacher talk about or say, how dare you? And, you know, I'm like, well, whatever, you know, I can't help that other preachers are lacking in intestinal fortitude to say what needs to be said. But, you know, there's some things that needs to be addressed. People don't like that. In fact, last night, um, there was, uh, they were showing in Virginia uh, that um, uh, Ruth Bader uh, was doing a uh, Camelot vigil uh, there for her. And um, I was talking about how under her, how many babies, unborn babies were, were aborted and, uh, and the attack on, the, on traditional family values. And of course, uh, I, I knew it was going to happen. I, mean, I knew it was going to happen. They'd uh, they come out of the woodwork attacking big time. And, trolling trying to get me to you know like one woman put on there and says abortion is beautiful and you know but uh, you know but she's only doing that just trying to get a rise out of me I mean I just saw that woman I thought I'd get into that it's just ridiculous but um, you know that's sad there's a lot of there's a lot of women out there who have believed the lie that abortion is okay and they and they proceeded with it and, and have deep regret and we need to pray for those individuals and, and extend a, a loving hand to these these women uh, who, who thought that was the right path to go because <clears throat> one woman put on there, she said, uh, uh, well, uh, what do you do? She, uh, Ruth Bader gave uh, a choice to women who had to go to back alleys and uh, quack doctors. And I said, well, you know what? They wouldn't have to worry about back alleys, quack doctors if they were not using abortion as a form of birth control, which some do. And, uh, and also if they gave that baby up for adoption, it wouldn't matter. Well, you don't understand with rape and incest. So I didn't respond because I just didn't feel like uh, arguing back and forth. But uh, in th those cases are terrible and horrible. But the chances of, of rape in particular is less than 1% when we get pregnant. But, um, but even in those ter terrible instances, it's still not that baby's fault. You still give it up to uh, adoption. But every, every single person, <clears throat> I was looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that was just going ballistic angry. I was taking out their profile, just curious. Every one of them, Biden followers, gay pride, every single one of them. I mean, every one of them. I was getting tickled. In fact, some of them looked at me like, gee whiz, man, that's weird looking people out there, you know? And uh, I was just like, uh, so, you know, that's what we're seeing in the last days. We're seeing immorality. We're seeing sexual immorality uh, at an all-time high. The attack on traditional family values. We're seeing those things in the last days. In fact, there's things we're seeing now that I think would make Sodom and Gomorrah look bad. You know, I mean, look good, rather. I mean, it was just uh, the, the fact that uh, the decay uh, of, of family values and godly values is, 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 is astronomical. It's just it's unbelievable. And uh, that's why it takes uh, for men in particular to have your families in church, to be that man to take care of your family, to be a man to take care of your children, to show what it is to, to love God, to be seen reading your Bible, be seen in prayer. So that eliminates women from a responsibility as well. But men, you carry uh, a little bit of a burden on your shoulders uh, in order to, uh, uh, to demonstrate uh, those godly attributes or principles uh, to your family. And, have, and when I do uh, premarital counseling, that's one thing I say, that if you are as a man in that home, you have a responsibility to have your family in church. And uh, sadly, though, uh, I don't know, after I marry them, they, uh, apparently they disappeared because um, I tell them that I never see them back to church again. So I don't know what I, some part of that I'm saying is not getting through to them at all. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's look over here at Romans 11, 25 through 32. Romans 11, 25 through 32. Says, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, we're talking about this mystery. It's not like some uh, secret oath bound society like the Masons or something like that. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about uh, these things that are concealed or unknown uh, to that uh, to human beings, is what he's referring to. Uh, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part, of, uh, in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out a sign, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins, as concerning the gospel of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, they are beloved by fathers. Now, when we look at that here, particularly when we see that, you know, who, who are these who are these enemies here? When we see that they are enemies, uh, what that is referring to and, and talking about there is how Israel has broken that covenant with God. And so uh, to a certain extent, God has hardened the hearts of Israel because they were constantly chasing after false gods. They, they denied Christ as the Messiah. We see all these different things, uh, that ungodly things that Israel had done. And so God has hardened their hearts to a certain extent uh, to what's going on because if you look over here, uh, in verse 16, we'll come back to 28 here to say Verse 16 of this, it says, For if the first fruit of be holy, the lump is also holy, and the root be holy, so are the branches. And so we're again talking about Abraham and his descendants. And if some of the branches be broken off, and, and thou, uh, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them partakes of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So what we're seeing here, we're talking about being grafted in, See, uh, like with Hal Lindsey, he's what's known as a, a dispensationalist premillennialist. And he doesn't think that when you hear that word dispensationalism, they don't think that uh, Israel is the church. But we see here that the church, and we see that Gentiles were grafted in. That's what we're looking at here. And that's the point of that, is that, that uh, Israel is the church. And that's why we see over here that we're talking about the very elect 
that uh, when, when the end times come, talking about all those who are going to be saved, uh, that's what that's referring to. And um, let's see here, I was trying to think there's another, I think there's another passage I want to hit here, but I keep moving. But anyway, um, so we're seeing that. But anyway, it says, for sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet ye have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. O depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him... And through him and to him are all things to whom the glory be forever. So in the last days, uh, one thing that's going to happen is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that God's going to do is, is remove that, that hardening of the heart, if you will, uh, from that uh, that is Israel. And so that uh, they can be saved. It's not to say that those in there cannot be saved now, but it's going to be a little bit harder because he has hardened their, uh, their hearts. So that's one indication of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Uh, in a major way there in the end times. And, you know, and when I hear that, uh, that being poured out, uh, it kind of makes me think a little bit of the 70s uh, in the fact that uh, some considered it like the third great awakening. And I remember part of that, uh, particularly uh, when Dad was teaching um, uh, when he first started out in the ministry. And you could see that, that excitement. You could see that zeal. You could see that want uh, to learn. And, and I remember seeing the, the faces of those individuals, the young people uh, that were so excited uh, to get, get to hear the name of Jesus Christ. And I hope that is something that will return again. I'm hoping that it's something uh, that will happen in, because the only thing that's going to change this world and what's going on, just like I was talking about the last couple of Sundays in regards to racism, it's not the laws, which helps, but I'm talking about is it, that heart change. That's the only thing that's going to make a difference uh, in this world is Jesus Christ in their hearts. That's the only thing that's going to bring about this healing. That's the only thing that's going to bring about, help this division. That's the only thing that's going to bring peace upon this country. And you pass all the laws you want to, but unless there's a heart change, just like individuals who want to take away guns, people still want to find knives, they'll find rocks, they'll find some way to still kill somebody. It's not the gun's problem, it's a heart problem. And that's why we have to make an even more effort in these last days to tell someone else about Jesus Christ, to explain his love, what he done for you on the cross, the scourging he took upon him uh, to save us from a very real hell. And so that's why the imperative is important because when we see these things, like I said, uh, particularly with, um, with Donald Trump and this, these Middle East talks and such. Most people, they're automatically, oh, this is last days, it's last days, it's last days. And, and it really, is, it freaks a lot of people out. It scares them to death. But if we look at, um, see, I think it's in Deuteronomy, uh, the chapter verse escapes me, uh, but it says, oh, God, come quickly. And because for those who are saved, we can say that uh, with, with great anticipation. Oh, God, please come quickly. You know, we look forward to that because we know what is to come. We know that we're our promises is, is, is where we're headed because God had given those promises to us. So we get to look forward to that eternal kingdom, get to be, look forward to that eternity with Jesus Christ, with no more pain, no more sorrow, none of those things. And, you know, and, and I've been trying to, we're about to finish up with our study in Hebrews, and I was asking uh, what uh, was the next book uh, to maybe do our, our study in on Sunday night and Wednesday night, and uh, I had one individual say uh, Revelation. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to pray about that. It's been on my mind a little bit, but uh, Revelations is tough. I mean, it, it's not easy to understand. In fact, in my uh, graduate studies, 
uh, we had to do uh, some exposition on Revelation, and it was uh, uh, it's, it's difficult. And uh, but I, I like challenges. You know, I like uh, dealing into those things that are some not easy. And uh, hopefully, I won't. Uh, uh, if we do decide to do that, I won't screw it up too badly, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best here. Um, let me see here. Speaking of Revelation, I want to look at a couple of verses here. Uh, particularly with Armageddon, we're looking at Revelation 19, 15 through 20. Over here, 19, 15 through 20. And it says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it should be smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the army, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, that sat on the horse and against his army. So we see here that uh, that Armageddon, when Jesus Christ comes in an act of war, first he come uh, in a peaceful, humble way. Next time he become in an act of war. And that's why Jesus Christ, he asked uh, his you know, disciples, who, who am I? You know, And uh, he said, well, you're, you're the Messiah, you're, you're Christ. And, uh, and he, he would tell them, uh, those around him, that uh, if he was uh, coming to take over an earthly kingdom, his men would be in an act of war. But that's not what his purpose was at that time. But when he comes back that second time, it will be in an act of war. My friends, here's the thing, all right, is the fact that we are indeed... Um, need to really think about where you're at spiritually, okay? Where are you at spiritually? Are you Christian in name only? Are you just giving lip service? Do you show up to church, put on a good show, and then the rest of the week nobody can distinguish between you or anybody else out in the world? Are you putting Christ first? Are you excited about the things of Jesus Christ? Do you have that zeal? Do you have that excitement? Or is church just, well, I'm gonna go get this over with so I go do whatever today. Uh, let me uh, uh, hurry up, read my Bible and praise. I got more important things to do. I mean, how are you? Uh, are you getting anything out of the worship when we sing? You know, this, this is not. Uh, they're not up here uh, just to entertain you. I mean, we have talented, awesome people in our praise team, but we need to be singing praises to God. We where you know, where does God fit in in your life? Is He important? Is He number one? Because guys, every one of you in here are going to stand before God. And, and the sad thing is in here, probably only three-fourths of you are saved, or maybe even a fourth of you are even saved sitting here. And you may think just because you come through those doors, that makes you saved. Just because you do benevolent things, that makes you saved. Because you're a good person, that makes you saved. Nothing be further from the truth. Until you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will not enter into the gates of heaven. And when God raptures you, when Jesus raptures us out of here, it's going to be, I mean, a blink. I mean, you need, if you think you're, well, I'll say the prayer of salvation right before I'm raptured or right before I die, you're never going to get that opportunity. That's why you need to make sure your heart is right with God today. Because we're going to stand before God Almighty in judgment. You understand that? Now, maybe, you know, I, I plan on maybe on a Sunday night, Wednesday night, we may get into all millennial, premillennial, uh, postmillennial, uh, 
those kind of, you know, I break those these terms down, particularly if we get in Revelation, we may get into those things when we'll have to. But anyway, it's good to know those things. But the main thing is, is knowing Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Because, if you, because those who are not saved, you're going to be judged for every single thing you've ever done in the flesh. For those who are saved, you'll be done, you'll be judged for those things you've done while you were saved. Guys, don't be misled. So many people out there are so are really under the impression, oh, God would send me to hell. I'm a good person. I never killed nobody. I ain't got to speak to you. Guys, some, some shocking news for you. You'll be spending eternity in hell. God's not sending you to hell. You are making the choice. You can accept Jesus Christ, your first Lord and Savior today and, 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 and enjoy the glories of heaven, or you can continue to refuse and say, you know what? I ain't walking up here and accepting Christ. I ain't going to do that. I'll do it when I'm ready. Well, <clears throat> you may walk out of these doors and have a heart attack and die that quick. Guys, you've got to think about these things. I want to get through to you. You know, it's just like uh, when you have a hard-headed kid and you're trying to talk to them. They say, now listen, Oppie, don't stick your fork in the lot socket. All right? He's looking, no hopping. Hopping. You know? I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know? That's what I feel like doing to some people in, in, in this world. What is wrong with you? Jesus Christ is real. God is real. Make the decision today. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. You need to have to come to Christ with a rightful heart. But I'm telling you, we are, we, time is running out. All right? The hourglass is almost empty. And you're never going to turn it back upside down and start again. Once it's gone, it's gone. So guys, you know, whether, you know, when we see these things in the news, or particularly with these peace talks in the Middle East, all this going on, some people really get torn up about it. They get scared. Those who are saved, we have nothing to be afraid of. We get to rejoice and say, yeah, man. I hope Jesus comes quickly. But those who are not saved, you better be scared. You better be terrified. So I hope pray you'll make that decision today. If you'll stand, we'll have a word of prayer. And uh, Mrs. Brown will be kind enough to uh, uh, play the invitation. Uh, and uh, while she's playing that, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, please, I uh, pray that you'll come and talk to me this morning. Let us pray. And Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful, beautiful day you blessed us with. Lord, help us uh, to understand uh, the small amount of time we have left on this earth. And Lord, I pray and urge and beg those who are saved to give all 110% they have for you, Lord Jesus, to love their neighbor as themselves, uh, to love the Lord God with all their heart, soul, mind, body, and being. And Lord, if there's anyone this morning that doesn't know you, let them pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.
say that uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews is trying to show the people a better way. They were stuck in the old law, they're stuck in the, uh, in the old uh, covenant. And the writer is trying to explain the, the, what Jesus had to offer. Because they were being persecuted, they wanted to go back to the, the Jewish way of life. And uh, he's trying to encourage them. And I think sometimes when things get tough, particularly as a Christian, uh, you know, you mess up. It's so easy to do. Uh, you want to give up. And uh, as Christians, we need to encourage one another. But you know what? Even though I mess up, Jesus still loves me. And he still forgives me. And I don't want to go back to that old way of thinking, that old way of doing things. So my friends, be encouraged. Be a good cheer. And know that you are forgiven and that you are loved. Let us pray. Therefore, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and again and praise your holy name. Lord, I pray to be with each and every person here this morning. To lead, guide, and protect them. Keep them safe and well. We meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a good day. Don't forget, we'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Hey,